Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's the most talked-about TV show that's not on TV. And I think you guys are amazing. With raw, honest opinions. This was not a mistake. This was a lie. Exclusive stories. Some industry insiders have been talking about this. Is that a Ben Robin Robbo exclusive? And plenty of famous faces. I'm not wasting these gold moments on the 60 minutes. (laughs) The Ben Robin Robbo Show is the new way to stream your news. This is the stuff that headlines are made of. Live every Monday to Thursday at 1pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on Ticker TV or Facebook and Twitter at BRR Show. Watch live or on demand. And Robin Robbo. Streaming across the globe, Ben Norris, Rob McKnight and David Robinson. Ben Robin Robbo. Welcome to the Ben Robin Robbo Show. Here's Rob McKnight. She sees me all day and then says hello to me at the beginning of the show. It's the magic of television. Uh, it's Tipsy Thursday. David Robinson and Ben oh. Norris. Happy Tipsy Thursday. Happy. And what a week it's been, David. It certainly has because I've brought out the very special plastic cups. Oh. I love the plastic wine cups uh, because I'm pretty clumsy. So, but I, you know, special occasion for a tipsy Thursday. This is our 84th show. Happy 84, boys. Happy 84, Ben. <laughs> Does it feel like 84 or more like 1,084? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it feels it feels like 84. And I just was like, I love it on the Thursday, which is Tipsy Thursday, that Robbo can drink with the glass that you can see through because every other day of the week he drinks out of that Slurpee cup and you're, <laughs> you're left wondering, is it always Tipsy no. Thursday it's got in coke. his house? It's got the coke in it. It's got the coke in it. Uh, Robbo, you're not fooling that. anybody. You're not fooling anybody. No. We don't have uh, smell vision here. Uh, look, there's a lot coming up. It is R-U-OK day, and <clears throat> we genuinely hope all our viewers are OK. But we're going to talk about a very serious issue, and we're going to focus on veteran suicide. It's one of those untalked issues, and as we think about everybody else today, it is something we need to discuss. So we'll be having a chat about that. We'll also be talking to Joe. Excuse me. We'll also be talking to Joe Casamento about the what's happening at the movies, and there's actually quite a lot happening. But first, I'd like to begin with some breaking news. And the New South Wales government is in crisis today. The Deputy Premier has announced that his party will no longer support the Liberals within their coalition. Have a look at what he said a short time ago. We are also in agreement from the party room uh, that we will be abstaining from supporting any government legislation or bills, but we reserve our right uh, to vote on and support or not support bills that are relevant to regional and rural New South Wales, and we'll do so 
until such time that our position and our amendments are considered and the issue around the SEP is actually afforded in a way that we are comfortable with. Now, the interesting thing here, he clarified that the, the National Party will no longer support the government bills, attend joint party room meetings and attend parliamentary leadership meetings. And this all comes after increasing tension around the proposed planning regulations that would give farmers responsibility for managing koalas on their property and would see more trees classified as koala habitat. The Nationals have been liaising with the Liberal colleagues since last year on this legislation and the Deputy Prime Minister, the Deputy Premier, I just gave him a... Um, promotion, will not change unless the state environmental planning policy is recognised. Now, Liberal MP Catherine Cusack has described the coalition's behaviour as bullying, saying that Liberal members are stunned and bewildered. On Wednesday night, Cusack sent text messages to two Upper House National members, and in a series of texts, Cusack accused them of being backstabbers, wishing to destroy koalas, and stated they would have short careers. She finished by saying the show will go on and be better without you. Um, Robbo, what do you make of all this? Interesting to note, the coalition isn't resigning from government. They'll all still have their ministry ministries. They'll all still have their cars. Is this nothing but a publicity stunt? Well, it is a publicity stunt, I think, Rob, but it, the big reason is is that for a long, 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 long time, both in state level and definitely at federal level, the Nationals have really lost their way. Um, they've been quite a joke. They've been accused of just being in it for themselves, um, that they haven't been governing. They certainly haven't been listening to rural and regional Australia. I think what we're seeing here is kind of that flexing of the muscle going, no, we are bloody here and we, we've got to get our base back. So publicity, absolutely, for sure, um, because they're trying to say to... Uh, their constituents that we are here and we are ready to govern after so many years. I remember it like Barnaby Joyce and, and all of those issues and, and more interested in themselves. Uh, this is a big flex of the muscle. It'll be interesting to see how other areas of the National Party, both federally and in other states and territories, follow suit. Well, that is very interesting. Ben, I got on to our good friend Sam Dastiari, uh, the former federal senator, and these were some things he said to me. He said, um, this is a marketing exercise. They definitely don't want to lose their portfolios. But from a branding point of view, how do the Nationals make themselves stand out? And this is the big thing here. They've got an issue that, you know, from farmers, it's seen as these inner-city Liberals are making these decisions about koalas, not really understanding what goes on on the farms. And this is an issue that the Coalition feels could hurt them in the polling, but also gives them a place to draw a line in the sand and have a differentiation from the Liberal Party. Yeah, well, I think it's clever, it's a clever ploy. They definitely managed to cherry pick a really good issue that they could grandstand. I mean, I was expecting at the end of that little clip for them to have people in the background with T-shirts saying, think of the koalas. Like, it's... <laughs> It's so, it was just such a, a such an emotional topic that you know tears on the heartstrings and what does Robbo call it the bleeding hearts of the country you know make sure you talk about the koalas you know because that way we can make a lot of noise and get our point across because at the end of the day politicians they really just want to be heard they really want to they really want the headlines. Well, that's true. But you've got to say, if you're not supporting the government, you don't have a right to be in government. So this is quite an interesting time, Robbo, where they're actually saying, we want all the perks, 
but we, we're taking away the responsibility and will actually allow themselves to vote against the government. So at the moment they're going to abstain. They won't actually be supporting any government legislation, which makes it harder to get anything through Parliament, of course. But um, it's a dangerous game they're in. But it's, it's for their base, though. Uh, you mm -hmm. mentioned just before, as I did uh, with uh, the inner-city Liberals, uh, not listening to them. They've lost their base. They've lost their way. They've been decimated in, in recent, especially federal and then also the state elections. They've decimated... You know, they don't... The base doesn't believe that the National Party is there to govern for them. This is the way to do it, isn't it? But they've also mm -hmm. can't let hold of the power that they've got to give. This is a big risk. This is... You know, it's, 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 it's a huge thing to do... And time will tell if the farmers think that oh, this was a good idea. Well, indeed, let's move on. And Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaget is once again under fire for her border closures. And this time, Tom Hanks is involved. The actor who recovered from COVID-19 recently has been allowed back into Queensland, but doesn't have to quarantine. This is despite yet another harrowing story of a dying man who is not allowed to see his children. Mark Keynes, who is only 39, has terminal cancer. Now, he lives in Brisbane. However, only one of his four children will be permitted to cross the border to be with him in his final months. His dad, Bruce Keynes, spoke to the Nine Network's Carl Stefanovic this morning. You want to be there and you can't. You can't. And what's, what is that like? What, what is that feeling like? Gut-wrenching. I mean, you can all, all you can say is gut-wrenching. I mean, and, and, I mean, it's especially hard for Mark today because his, his two middle kids, the twins, are, are 11 today. Oh. And that, that makes it a little bit hard for him. Again, thinking of what today is. Bruce was then asked this really tough question. This is a difficult question, um, but this is the predicament that you're in. Um, have you had a discussion about which child will go and see him? We've said none. We've, we basically, we, we, we could not um, pick one over, over any of the others. It'd be, it's impossible. Every, every one of them deserves it um, more so than, you know, but as, as much as anyone else. I mean, it's, it's easier to pick the adults which are not, which are not, not to go, not to go, but it would be with children. I can't believe we're having this, this discussion and this debate. I, I mean, how do you choose? No one should have to do that. What are you being told? You can't. What? It's, it's impossible to choose. What are you being told by the Queensland government? Well, basically, what, what we've officially, well, unofficially, because nothing, nothing's in writing, one, um, we, had, we had too many people trying to come up. Two, we weren't allowed to drive. We had to fly in. And then we probably we probably wouldn't get out of the airport anyway, but, but send us back. And three, by us wanting to go and see Mark, um, we're being selfish and not not taking any thought as to the um, welfare of the other cancer patients. Carl then asked what he thought about the very famous exemptions the Queensland government does make. So how do, how do you feel when you see these people, these other people going in? I mean. I, to me, I think it's ridiculous. I mean, the worst ones out of a lot, more so even than the AFL ones, are ones on the boat. You get, you get some multi-millionaire gets paid, gets charged a thousand dollars to spend time in Queensland, so he can do as he wants. Yeah, the family said they've been in contact with their local and federal members and are hoping, with the help and publicity, a solution will be reached. Robbo, I've been very vocal about the border closures and how I support them. I am getting concerned that celebrity exemptions are derailing 
the hard lockdown. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, and I've always appreciated your opinion, Rob, as well. But it's this. It, I can't. There's two words that come to mind. And it's icky and gross. It's just we're starting to get down to the gross end of the stick when Tom Hanks, who has had COVID nineteen, uh, is allowed back in, doesn't have to quarantine. Danny Minogue could go to her own place Tell me and do her own thing. Why is that, Robbo? Is that because they assume he won't catch it twice? Why have they allowed him straight through? I believe it's because the film industry as a whole have given the Palaszczuk government a COVID safe plan and he falls within that COVID safe plan. It's just, and that might be true, it, it just, it's bad optics, it's a bad look for the government yeah. for this to happen. We've seen a lot of these and we're going to see a lot more of them. Um, it, imagine telling your four young kids that uh, only one can see them and then the, the decision, rightly so, as Bruce said there, there'll only be one that will be able to go in there. This is tough stuff. Carl Stefanovic said at the end of that interview, you that there is a medium and I, I, I you know I, I don't want to plagiarize him but I, I 100% agree there are mediums here you do not have to be this hard and then that lenient there's got to be a middle ground yeah um, there was also this idea and we've talked about this as well that if, if you're possibly sick you can't go into hospital because that's really selfish this we're not animals we're humans and they're, they're I, I just refuse to believe that a man who's got three young kids who will not see the new year that there is not a bloody way that four of those all four of those kids can go into the hospital in some bloody room and just make that little dream happen this is disgusting this is gross and tom hanks and all of those other people should be put into quarantine if we're going to put families through this this is i it makes me angry it's disgusting yeah, Ben, I actually got to say, I this is hard. And, uh, you know, like if we had the hard lockdown and it, there weren't exemptions, then you would say, well, okay, you have to Zoom and as terrible as that yeah. is. But we are giving so many exemptions and it does seem to be to those with the money and fame get the exemption. It is a bit, little bit like the, what the media wants to report, though. You know, worst case scenario, are pitted against something completely polarising. Mm. And I get that that's a reality, but that's what the news does. You know, we don't hear about all little stories in between. From what I was told, when it came to some of the celebrities, uh, apparently they had to prove that they had an accountability. And I feel like there's a whole section of information that's missing from this story that we're not being made aware of mm. that... I think we should be made aware of because I think it is a really bitter pill to swallow when you see those two what? headlines next to each other. Like what? Because I what do you think? was. What do you think we're missing? Well, I think. I don't understand what we're missing. The, I, I think we might be missing that these celebrities are being made accountable, uh, you know, because of who they are. It is an easy headline, isn't it, to say Tom Hanks is getting through. But, you know, that's the headline. But you just said, Robbo, he's being put in a plan, you know, like they're spending lots of money on the plan to ensure COVID safety. And now, look, if, if a COVID case did break out because of Tom Hanks, there might be an issue. But let's be honest, with the Danny Minogue's of the world and the Tom Hanks, uh, there haven't been any cases coming from those situations. Uh, yeah, okay, uh, but I, I'm probably going to kill me for this, but the movie can still be made, the things can still be done. This I can't get over this dad not seeing his bloody kids. I just can't, but 400 AFL people can can walk in, you know. But that's that, that part guy of the COVID the safety yacht. plan. Well, it's bad optics then. Like I said before, I, I it's bad optics. Uh, I, I agree, and it's um, left a sour taste in my mouth, though, we'll be honest. Man. And, and and to see that bloody picture of Anastasia Palaszczuk sitting there with an AFL ball in her hand going like that, yes, it's great for Queensland, 
But like again, like Carl said, there's got to be a medium. There has to be a way that this can work in certain areas. You can't just have this kind of blind or tunnel vision way of looking at things going, well, yeah, well, they've got a COVID safe plant, but you kids can only, one of you can see your dad before he dies. Stuff it, who cares? Like, that's just not right. How, how, how have yeah. we got to the point where that is considered to be humane and the right thing to do? It, it's not. This is, yeah, but this is a really difficult time. I just want to quickly say that story broke my heart. I mean, that's some handmade tale shit right there, let me tell you, with, you know, being forced to make a decision about your children, probably wrong reference, I probably should say Sophie's Choice. It broke my heart. But I will say this is a really difficult time. And, you know, is Anastasia Palaszczuk, is she required to look depressed all the time? Because when I saw all those comments about her with that football and how disgusting apparently that made people feel, we can't make her walk around with the weight of the, her, the, weight of the shoulders on her for all of these decisions. I just don't simply think that's fair. Mm. What, what does happen, though, is that she was asked in Parliament by the, uh, the opposition leader about this particular case. She just gave back a generic response about, well, if she was, uh, you know, loose with the borders, we could be Victoria. She was then asked later by media, uh, what, what do you think about this, um, this case? She goes, I, I don't know anything about it. I've never heard of it. Well, yes, you do, because you just heard about it in Parliament. So, again, we've got this politician <laughs> who's who's clearly should be... If you're going to do these kind of really complex things about saying, well, Tom Hanks has got a COVID-safe plan, um, you know, uh, the yeah, CEO of cut the, the AFL can one. bring in with, yeah, with the wife and kids um, and all of those kind of things, then you can't really do that. The other thing is we'll put a COVID-safe plan in place for these medical emergencies and these 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 tough families who are doing it. If you can do one for the AFL, you can do one for the film industry, then you can bloody well do them for people who need to cross the border to see relatives before they bloody die. It, it, it infuriates me that there is just this, oh, well, there's no COVID safe plan for that. Well, get one, you heartless bastards. Okay. All right. And the Oscar goes to diversity. New rules said to be introduced in 2024 will change the way a film can be eligible for an Academy Award. Producers will have to tick off two out of four broad categories if they want their movie to be a potential best picture. To get in, at least one of the leading or supporting actors must be Asian, Hispanic, Black, Indigenous, Native American, Middle Eastern, from the Pacific Islands or from another underrepresented group. The main story must also focus on an underrepresented group. There are also other ways of being eligible including offering paid apprenticeships or training to an underrepresented group. Ben Kirstiali said this was like trying to tell Picasso that what to put in his paintings. Is this too much or the wrong or the direction we should be heading in? Why is she the vox pop of what's happening at the Oscars? She's never been nominated for anything in her life. That's an opinion. We are, is... We're giving opinions right here. I don't have a problem with that. I just think it's like when Jada Pinkett Smith came out and started making comments. Oh, I'm not going to go to the Oscars this year. Well, mate, you never were invited because you never were nominated. <laughs> I understand that we, I mean, I still don't understand these celebrities that jump out and start talking about an issue. You know, Kirsty Alley. But someone I'm, asked I know them. She, you can't blame them for answering no, she, a question. No if one asked right. her. No one asked her. She's, um, She's an old heifer sitting on her Twitter. She's the last job she was offered you was tweet, Celebrity I Big tweet. Brother. We're all entitled to tweet. 
But I'm just telling you, who cares? Like, why is she getting any, why is she getting these news headlines? Yes, the film industry is a really, re it's in a really bad place because Halle Berry, she won an Oscar 18 years ago. She was the first black woman to yeah. win an Academy Award. No one, not another black woman has won an award since then. You know, Cynthia Erivo should have won last year, but she got beaten. And let me tell you, the Oscars will change. And I want to say that to the general public. Do we need to put these things into place? Probably. I don't know. Like, as in, it makes no sense when you write it out on paper. But we do need to get to a point where all people are being reflected through film and cinema. Sure, and but the, uh, the, the, the Academy has actually opened up. The Academy was very much older white men. Really, but they opened it up. Yeah, over but they'll the last be dead soon. So thankfully, they... in years to come, we will get to see a, probably a more even keel when it comes to people being nominated. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump in no, on that. that I just that's okay. So you, 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 you're absolutely right. The um, the fact is that um, the academy is now more diverse. The thing I worry about is. It almost ends up dictating what kind of film you can make, and and I know there are ways of getting around it behind the scenes, but films should be made and judged on the merit of the film, shouldn't they? Uh, it's like when BAFTA did it last year. I had concerns about the fact that, um, or earlier this year, I can't remember, but I had concerns about the fact that, you know, what what is a good film? A good film is something that should just be viewed on the final product not the elements that go into it. And that's what concerns me. And, and I agree, diversity should definitely become part of filmmaking and, and the Academy and all that kind of stuff. But I worry when we put rules on what is eligible to be a film, um, a, a best picture film. It worries me. Robbo? Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Sorry. I. I totally agree with you. Uh, th I'm. I'm totally okay. And I've got. A, I've got a big thing about uh, if you've got um, supporting actors or main actors, then yeah, like maybe one of them. You know, to be inclusive. I. I kind of am all right with that. So as I was reading about this, I thought, yeah, that's good. Then when we got to the fact that um, the the story has to be part of uh, an underrepresented group in order to get that best picture. No, 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 no. Because now you're stopping a million other stories being told. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes, those stories do need to be told, but I'm okay with the actors. It's when you start telling and dictating what stories need to be told, uh, I'm not okay with that, and I don't think that's the right way. I think this is a bit too heavy-handed. There are There is something that needs to be done, um, but it, this telling what stories to be told, no, not for me. Mm. I wonder whether or not, though, with the next Jurassic World, whether some of the dinosaurs will need to be played by the Chinese. Big underneath these rules. <laughs> All right, well, moving That's on. And 114 <laughs> stubby holders from Pauline Hanson One Nation Party were said to be delivered to residents of the lockdown public housing towers in Melbourne. However, much to the dismay of Australia Post Chief Executive Officer Christine Holgate, the council interrupted these deliveries. After Pauline Hanson had referred the residents of the towers as drug addicts and alcoholics from war-torn countries, it was thought that the stubby holders saying, I've got the guts to say what you're thinking, would inflame the situation. However, upon learning of this, Holgate threatened legal action in an email if they were not delivered by 4pm that day. Robbo, it's a bit dangerous when council is deciding what can and can't be delivered, isn't it? 
No, I don't think so. I think this was the right thing to do. She called these people drug addicts. She called them uh, people who weren't social distancing. She said they were probably second language. The, the, the handwritten note that went with those bloody coolers was, um, no hard feelings, piss off you patronising Yeah, but that's not up idiot. to you or the council to decide what does and doesn't get delivered. She wasn't no, breaking no, the law. No, 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 I'm just going to say, no, no, she, they, they called it a tinderbox, and I agree with it. What she said was so inflammatory, so unhelpful, had no policy backing, had no helpful to it, help to it. You talk all the time about um, politicians politicising this issue, and it's exactly what she did, and she shouldn't she be allowed not, to do that. Not, not so that I liked that the, the council... This was absolutely a publicity game. She, would, she wanted to send that and get it leaked out and make headlines. Agree with all of that. But I am concerned when governments are censoring the mail, what does and doesn't get delivered. If it's not illegal, and what she was doing wasn't illegal, I have a major concern about who is deciding what is valid post and what isn't. I have a major concern with the CEO, the highest public servant of Australia Post, uh, going into bat for a single denomination of a political party, and that is the One yeah, Nation Party. She, that, she look, was going that's into politics bite too. She wants Pauline Hanson on side to make sure Australia Post gets its funding and, and a whole other variety of political issues. I don't even care about that. I care about the fact that a council is deciding what can be delivered. This is not normally they totalitarianism just, stuff. No. No, they just did it because of her comments prior. They wouldn't have been stopped without her comments prior. I think it was the right call. She angered and upset a lot and a lot of people. Uh, and I understand that when they were dealing with the fact that they were locking up 3,000 people, never been done before, unprecedented, uh, had a lot of criticisms of that themselves, but they had to make decisions for the greater good. I don't think in this instance this is a bad thing. Ben, I, I want to hear your views on this, please. Well, I think it's a morality issue, you know, at the end of the day. So, like, when I'm looking at with my morals and ethics, I'm glad that woman stepped in and censored Pauline Hanson. But I guess that's a personal opinion. That's reflecting but that is, a that's personal, personal opinion politics. of mine. I know. I know. So it is a tough one, but I can't get past the fact that I'm glad that that was censored. I feel bad about it because, I mean, I, I guess you're right, Rob. And I guess in some ways she shouldn't have the power to do so. And, I mean... The thing that annoys me the most about this story is that we give so much airtime to, not us, everybody, we give so much airtime to Pauline Hansen and she's a conspiracy theorist yeah, who is Yeah, but this, is, is, this crazy. is the one time I would say Pauline Hansen is actually the victim here and I don't often say that. We live in a free society and we're she censoring is a victim material. She is, she and is she does and represent, my personal... Yeah, the thing that I get there is that she does represent... She's in federal parliament. Um, she has MPs in a fair few states of Australia. Uh, so I understand from that point of view that there are people who are represented by her, so need to see her uh, yeah. in the media. Um, True. But, yeah, we have All right, a, let me ask you we, this question, yeah. Robbo. If it had been from uh, Labor or Greens, would you have a problem with them being censored? Now, what would happen with that, Rob, that if the Labor or Greens, any of the MPs had said that they were drug addicts, that they were awful people, that they didn't social distance, that they couldn't speak English, that they were awful people, shouldn't be here, blah, 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 then, of course, I would say, no, you can't send in to stubby coolers with no hard feelings. No. Uh. It's all about what had happened prior to that. 
the, the council could have had riots. Okay, let's go for that side. So if you then had – it was a tinderbox, like I said. They, it was it, – maybe all it took was a match because they were really angry. They were really upset about being locked up. Uh, they are low socioeconomic. Uh, remember we talked about on this program. We had people on this program. They were not idiots. We had some really intelligent people on this oh program. Oh, my God. Who when were did I say that flats. they were idiots? <laughs> Sorry? When did I say that? I said no, they were no, low no, socioeconomic. I'm, I didn't say idiots. I, I'm not accusing you of saying that. I'm making the point. These people are smart, and just because Pauline Hanson sends them a a stubby holder... It's, They're smart people under stress people, because they were looking at It's the arrogance of people in power thinking they know better. Look, we do need to move well, on. I appreciate your thoughts uh, and comments. All right, if you watched Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory and always dreamt of winning that golden ticket, now's your chance. David Klein, who named the Jelly Belly Jelly Jean Bean, I'll say that again, the Jelly Belly Jean Bean is giving away his own lolly factory. Across the US, people will be given clues and search for a golden ticket, necklaces with a code to register. And if you get that winning code, the keys to the Candyman Kitchens in Florida will be yours. Klein was motivated by this difficult year, saying the world needs this right now. Ben, is this smart for a kid to be given a lolly factory? <laughs> Can you imagine? Well, I mean, it is the, it's the good news story that we all deserve, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I'm coming from a place... Oh, what are you doing? You're about to give me lollies? I'm having okay. a snake. <laughs> it's into a category That's of something cool. I won't mention, but anyway, moving along. Good. And for that uh, gag, I had to I... admit to Amanda that I bought snakes. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> anyway, I just had so many bad jokes about good. little snakes that I just, between the two of you, that I just had to leave. So I've just dropped those <laughs> behind. Uh, but what I would say is it's a great news story. I can't imagine the legalities behind, you know, how it will all work. Uh, but I'm willing to play the role of Augustus Glump. Oh, is that his name? Oh, God, <laughs> yes, yes. That wrong. I'll be the fat kid. Let me in. <laughs> Do we have to be American? <laughs> 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 Apparently so. Oh, Robbo, it would be the best, though, wouldn't it? It would be the best, Rob, because it would be one of those things that you'd remember forever. It'd be a lifetime memory. You know, your parents probably wouldn't like you when you got home because you'd be on that sugar high. But what an, what an amazing thing. I really like this. I oh, yeah, if my, really kid nice... won the, if my kids won that golden ticket, I would be destroying it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'd put yourself in quarantine, wouldn't you, for two weeks somewhere? You'd take you and Amanda and go to a nice resort somewhere and leave the kids at home with their sugar high. Um, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but, yeah, this is really nice. I really like, and, and it's also nice in the age of... When everyone goes on about obesity with kids and Bob, this is a one-off thing. Enjoy it. Yeah. It's fun. Off your shoot. I agree. All right. Let's move on because it's time for a hit of entertainment. Selena Gomez has come out with some hard, cold truths about the entertainment biz. What have you got for us, Ben? Well, it's hard to imagine, but Selena Gomez has been working since she was eight years of age. She started out on a children's show, which was Barney and Friends. I just want to quickly tell you that my sister is 14 years younger than me, so I remember Selena Gomez on Barney and Friends. Anyway, so just a little flashback and a shout-out to my sister Sarah. But from Barney to a starring role in The Wizard of Waverly Place and roles in Disney movies as well as a fantabulous singing career that including hit songs like Come and Get It, Bad Liar, one of my favourites, Kill Him With Kindness. Look, the transition proved a pretty quick transformation from, from child star to being a sex symbol. Now, obviously, 
that is a lot for us to understand, considering that we know her from Barney, and then, you know, 10 years later, we're seeing her so sexualized. You know, we're getting a little bit of footage right now of her career and what an amazing career she's had. But look, in a fairly frank interview with Allure magazine, which is out now, it's actually out in October. I don't know why I'm promoting that magazine. But anyway, Gomez <laughs> has admitted that she felt she was over-sexualized in some of her music videos. Now, yeah. boys, I really want to get your thoughts on this because I have to say something really controversial, and that is I think she must have taken some part in being in these music videos. I don't think she's doing what she's told. It's not until they get then it's not until they're getting older that they suddenly start realizing this isn't who I am. You know, you look at someone like Miley Cyrus who was downplayed and she was bursting with sexuality and that's become her brand. Selena obviously didn't feel comfortable doing what was she was doing but didn't have that But doesn't she keep doing it now? Doesn't she keep doing these film clips now? Doesn't she keep But Robo, can I make it that's also a choice as an adult? No, yeah, I know, I know. I think this is is a real sign of the society that she has grown up in and the era that she's grown up in. And this is really dangerous because if you look at social media and the way in which we are rewarded, and if, let me tell you, um, for her to come out and if she had just stayed dressing her age, I guarantee you she wouldn't have had the career that she has had. So it's kind of awkward because we have rewarded her along this path, which I think is dangerous, but she would never have had this career because unfortunately, even though it's gross that I'm going to say this, but sex sells. I mean, she's a great looking chick and um, now she's age appropriate. So I feel fine that I'm saying this, but you know, I, I put her music videos on and wish that I had her hair and, and I wish (laughs) that I was sexy like her. So I'm just like, I don't know. I think it's really, I think it's, an, it's a really difficult question when it comes to sexualizing children at a really young age because I don't believe that is accurate. But now that her career has continued on in the last 10 years, we have seen her choosing to be portrayed that way. Interesting. All right, there's more entertainment on the way. What have you got a bit later on, Ben? Well, we're going to talk about a few things, but something that people watching television this morning may have seen was uh, one of the ABC reporters, he had an emotional moment which went live. Uh, A lot of people making inquiries about that. So, yeah, I'm going to... And a few other things. So I'll get into that a little bit later. We're running out of time, so let's get to it. (laughs) Thank you, Ben. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves... Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Well, today's the day we all turn to each other and ask, are you okay? It's an important message as we acknowledge mental health and the impact it's having on our society. Look, it's our hope at this show that we bring a little bit of joy to those who might actually be feeling lonely. Hopefully you argue along with us and have a laugh along the way as well. But look, instead of talking generically about the issue, today we wanted to focus on our veterans and Defence Force. Did you know that ex-servicemen have the highest suicide rates and ex-servicewomen are more than twice as likely to take their own lives than women who have never served? But what are we doing to help those who have served our nation? Anthony Mexner is a veteran himself 
and the Chief People and Culture Officer of Swiss Aid, an organisation aimed at reducing the rate of veteran suicide. Anthony, welcome to the Ben Robin Robbo Show. G'day, mate. How are you? Mate, I'm, I'm OK, and of course that's a good day to ask that question. Um, look, in your experience as a veteran, what is it that makes this group such high risk? Mate, to be honest, I think uh, there's a couple of, of factors, and it's a it's a really great question and a really tough one because if we if we really knew the answer, we could uh, we could fix the problem. I think there's a couple of factors, mate. One is probably um, that we get to experience as as a particular demographic of society camaraderie and mateship uh, on a level that's, that's seldom experienced by the rest of society. Yeah. And with that, we get taught, you know, resilience and and mental health and training that would probably allow us to keep moving forward as opposed to putting our hand up. And so when these soldiers are, are leaving defence, um, I think that they lose their tribe, they lose their purpose and they lose their identity. And that is a really big... For us as well, we've sort of encapsulated on that, that it's a, it's a, one of the massive factors in, in their mental health decline. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. As a member of the Defence Force, you know, you're obviously taught things like strength and resilience. Do you think that those values that are instilled into you make it harder to admit that you're struggling? Yeah, I think there's still a, as much as uh, we're all sort of moving forward, there is a stigma that we're all trying to distill. Uh, and I think we've done, we've gone leaps and bounds in the last 10 years with it. Uh, I think that there's some great initiatives now and there's some some absolute role models in the space showing lived experience, showing post-traumatic growth and moving forward. Uh, but yeah, I think that's probably one of those key factors in you don't have to be tough all the time if you need a hand. Ask someone, so, reach out or... Yeah. So, Anthony, when people are serving, is there any or is there adequate mental health and support for people who are still serving? Current serving, uh, the the services that are available, mate, are really, they are pretty good. Um, there is a lot of stigma with, a lot of people don't want to put their hand up while they're serving because they think there's going to be a career terminating uh, move for a mental health. Uh, and it's its simply not the case. We just haven't caught up from a, a rhetoric from 10, 20 years ago. So there is some good stuff while people are still serving. Um, it's just people have got to reach out and find those. Yeah. So what's the answer here? Because, and I know it's not an easy solution, I know that, but I feel like this issue has been swept under the carpet. You know, we've seen movies depicting Vietnam vets who have struggled with coming back after a war. You know, people who are in the Defence Force see things that we don't even, can't even contemplate. So how do we help these people? Is there enough government funding? Is that what we need? Is it more access to psychologists and psychiatrists? What, how do we make this better? I think uh, I think the Vietnam vets had a, probably a pretty good leg to stand on when they come back. There was no services, and they they really paved the way. They were the pathfinders in generating a lot of these services that uh, we can now benefit from as contemporary or, or veterans these days. What can we do better? I think we need to stop the the victim mentality that is sort of permeating through the veteran culture at the moment, which is ah, what's um, that mean? So. Uh, 
in in my experience, mate, the the victimhood mentality is that once you get diagnosed with something or something happens, that is that is who I am, that is what I've done, and I'm not going to continue to move forward or grow from that. Uh, and taking responsibility for your own actions, not leaving it into the hands of the government to fix the problem and trying to find a way forward. Mate, there, there, there is, if you do one day service in the army, uh, currently you are entitled to free mental health for, for the rest of your life. One day service, you join up and do basic training, free mental health for the, for the rest of your life. So the services are out there. It is a national, uh, open arms do some great things, but it's, it's, it's on a national scale, mate. And as hard as it is, there's varying degrees of success through the whole programs, isn't there? So does that mean people aren't helping themselves? Some people, yeah, the, uh, yeah, they just sit down and they accept a diagnosis or they want to get a big payout and they'll just sit and that'll be it. They'll they'll stew. That's their lot in life and they won't continue to move forward. Uh, and it's always easy to blame government and blame hire. You've just got to take a bit. I know it's tough, and I'm not saying that for all cases, but you have to take some ownership of your own problems, I think. Mm. Yeah, I think that's very true, Anthony. Can you tell us a bit about Swiss 8 and how that's making an impact on veterans? So um, we, we realised that acute mental health is an area that, A, we're not qualified to deal with, uh, B, um, there's already plenty of services out there that we can turn people to. Swiss Aid is a proactive mental health tool to teach people some basic tools of holistic living, eight principles, um, so that when they do fall, or if they do fall off the, the, uh, the wagon, they've already got these tools and routines and disciplines in place prior to that so we can get them back on track quicker so that they can we can teach them some introspection on where they're at and sort of they know when they're falling down if you if you understand me yeah absolutely absolutely you know what i find really helpful through uh days like today which is are you okay dan where we we get to talk about this sort of stuff is looking at some of the success stories i mean i have to just quickly share with you a personal thing from myself i battled depression for four years after my father committed suicide actually 14 years ago uh yesterday and it's interesting the success story for me was always that i could say to people that i I came out of it you know that I was that you know if you are suffering depression or you uh, have mental health issues it may not always be like I'm talking about situational depression that's my story but what I love about today's success stories have you got a success story for me um, where you've been able to get someone on the right path uh, it's I mean th there's a lot of uh, ooh, I, I could I could list dozens and dozens mate where we get people reaching out you get the good and the bad you get people phoning up at two in the morning in a bad place but you get people who just PM you uh, and just say how much they've helped myself personally uh, this is some having purpose and getting back behind this program is, has helped my, myself with my own mental health struggles uh, and allowed us to, to move forward there's there's so many stories mate I couldn't 
to have one particular one, uh, mate. I'll ring you yeah. later. I'll ring you later <laughs> yeah. and ask. I'll get you to yeah, tell me all of them. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. it's obvious. It's obvious you guys at Swiss Aid are doing a fantastic job. And look, if you are currently serving, you're a veteran or even the family member of one of those who has been struck, who this has struck a chord with. Please reach out to Open Arm Veterans and Families Counselling on one 46 And if you are in need of support in general, Beyond Blue is there for you on one three hundred double two four six three six. And of course, Swiss Aid Anthony, you guys are seriously doing a great job yeah. and helping our veterans. Thank you for the work you're doing, and thank you for being on the Ben Robin Robbo Show today. Thanks, mate. Pleasure to be here. It's the Ben Love Shot of the day. Where are you going today? You never know where you'll end up with the Ben Love Shot of the day. Ah, from serious issues to our feedback, but it's uh, feedback with uh, always interesting. But before, before we get to that, we're at Rome, Italy, where it's a low of 21 degrees Ooh. today and a top of 33 degrees. What a lovely shot. Oh, I like that. Nice choice, Amanda. All right, let's take a look at some of the feedback coming through to the Ben Robin Robbo Show. Uh, so bloody wrong. Let the kids in, says Leo, uh, regarding the the Queensland government not allowing people to go across the border to see their dying dad. Mary says, inclusion and acceptance, not PC creating segregation and dictatorship. That's in response to the Oscars diversity um, regulations for Best Picture. Reggie Sorensen says, Robbo, you are looking very tropical in that shed today, considering it's gloomy here in Queensland at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I try my best. Mary says, table next to me at the cafe aren't impressed. Did I mention I have the BR&R on speaker? Stuff them. Good on you, Mary. That'll get a few more viewers up. Let's uh, get the word out there. Thank you for that, Mary. <laughs> Graham says, have those snakes been dipped in alcohol? Oh, they sure have. Oh. They sure have, Graham. Glenn <laughs> uh, <laughs> says, Rob has flashed and gagged on a snake. It's been quite a week. Indeed it has, Glenn. Indeed it has. Uh, Amanda <laughs> says, you look at Jojo Siwa and the amount of plates she cops for dressing young. Even 12 to 13-year-olds are dressing a lot older than kids did when I was that age. And that's very true, talking about the Selena Gomez. And Glenn makes a very good... I couldn't agree with this statement more. Don't ask, are you OK? Yes. Unless you're prepared to hear the answer. And this is a really irksome thing for me. I couldn't agree more. Great advice, Glenn. Thank you for all your feedback. Well, it's time to talk movies and pop culture with our dear friend Joe Casamento. Joe, always a pleasure to see you. Oh, always a pleasure to see you three, my three favourite boys. Oh, I'll tell the crew of the binge box that. Um, Joe. Oh. Ben's um, been waiting for and years. And don't tell my son. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's even more important. Hey, Joe, fans have been waiting for years to catch a glimpse at what is one of the most anticipated movies of the year, I guess if not the decade, and they've finally got their mm. wish. That's right, Rob. I'm not even joking when I say this. Uh, the upcoming iconic sci-fi thriller, June, is going to be epic. Um, everyone has been waiting for this trailer. If they know anything about the um, award-winning book of the same name, the first trailer dropped today. It is dynamic. It has a star-studded cast. Timothy Chalamet. You have Zendaya. She's got blue eyes in this. Um, you've got a whole heap. Javier Bardem. You've got um, Josh 
Brolin, you've got Jason Momoa. It is going to wow. be huge. It is set in a harsh desert planet in the distant future. Um, and one man is sort of set to save, to, he has to juggle honor and, and power and faith and a whole heap of things uh, to make sure the whole planet isn't destroyed. It was filmed, um, it shot in Jordan actually, and it's quite magnificent when I tell you that the trailer is quite beautiful for a sci-fi film. Um, and I think you need to make your own judgment, so let's take a little look. <laughs> okay. There's something happening to me. There's something awakening in my mind. I can't control it. What did you see? <sighs> There's a crusade coming. Do you often dream things that happen just as you dream them? Yes. The test is simple. Remove your hand from the box. And you die. What's in the box? Pain. One day, the legend will be born. All of civilization depends on it. The future. I can see it. I never saw the original, wow. Joe. Oh, it's good. This is the first. It's about. It's it's based on the sprawling sort of epic novel. Uh, Sorry, by can Frank we pick Herbert. up, Joe? I screwed up your microphone. Yeah. Can we pick up? Oh, okay. Just a foreshot, everybody. Here we go. Joe, I never saw the original. Uh, no, well, this is, um, it's based, this one is based on the epic novel by Frank Herbert and the director, uh, Dennis Villeneuve, gave us Blade Runner. So a lot of his fans are absolutely, you know, wetting themselves over this one. Sorry, right. it's so grotesque. <laughs> uh, but um, it, it's going to be huge. As I said, the cast is amazing and uh, Warner Brothers have put it down for a December 26, which is the biggest film box yeah. office day of the year, as we know, uh, Boxing Day. Let's hope, fingers crossed. All cinemas are back by then, um, and we can get back to normal, huh? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Exactly right. You know, I'm actually wondering whether or not it's going to be any better than the 1984 one that David Lynch did, which I'm still trying to work it out. Like David Lynch movies uh, really confuse me. <laughs> they're almost as bad as Christopher Nolan, right? But in a different yeah. way. But sort of, it's Good like point. you need a sort of. It's like watching a cat do a Sudoku when watching me try to work those films out. I agree with you. <laughs> That is so true. Not good. Now, I, I want to ask you, we're getting used to this new normal of social distancing award yeah. ceremonies, and you've got some more information about that. That's right. September 20, which is in 10 days' time, is uh, the Emmy Awards. And, of course, we are now in a new normal, as you just said, Ben. And this one is going to be hosted by Jimmy Kimmel. Um, it's going to be hosted from the Staples Centre. Um, and it has an amazing plan. They plan to send a crew out to all 140 nominees and follow oh, every right. single one. I don't even know how they're going to pull that off. Uh, but the late-night host was interviewed recently and he said it could not be more bizarre than the year he hosted the Oscars where La La Land was announced mistakenly. Oh, yeah. um, remember that? Who can forget that, right? No, um, when it was supposed to be Moonlighting was the true winner. Yeah. Uh, but he said, look, it's going to be a dreamlike sort of thing. It, he's comfortable with the idea of not getting a response from an audience, he says. Um, of course, it, it is more fun to get laughs from your big jokes. Uh, but he also wants to make sure that all 
all those, you know, TV stars get their rightful dues and get honoured in the way that they should be despite the pandemic that's going on. Oh, that's a very good idea, Joe. Now, uh, we've talked a lot yes. about Disney's live-action remake of Mulan, but it's seen some controversy mm -hmm. this week. That's right. So, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about Mulan and how they were going to release it in cinemas and they weren't and they've released it in China, but now they've decided to drop it on Disney Plus, um, which has been controversial on itself because even if you are a subscriber, you have to pay an extra $29.99 on top just to see this one film. So that's been controversial in itself. But when it logged uh, a few days ago, there was another controversy in that in the film credits, Disney actually thanks a child Chinese company, which uh, it, it sort of credits uh, to Chinese government authorities and a company who have been linked to human rights violations. So that in itself has caused a bit of a stir for Disney on this one. I watched last night. I paid my twenty nine ninety five bucks. I might claim it back from tax. Don't know, um, but we all know the story. It's um, of. Uh, you know, an emperor who uh, is his eldest daughter, Mulan, is set to defend uh, the country when uh, he falls ill. I think we've probably seen the trailer before, but let's have a little look for those fans out there um, at what you can download for $29.95. Citizens, we are under attack from northern invaders by edict of his imperial majesty, Every family must contribute one man to fight. Have you no son? I am blessed with two daughters. I will fight. Loyal, brave, and true. It is my duty to protect my family. Ancestors, please protect her. What is your name, soldier? Hua Jun, commander, son of Hua Zhou. We're going to make men out of every single one of you. Oh, Joe, what's the verdict? What did you think? Oh, well, I'm interested to know because I think Ben watched it with his partner last night as well. But I've got to say, look, the lack of singing, there was no music, the lack of romance, the lack of comedy, even the lack of a loudmouth dragon, for goodness sake, from the original. <laughs> 200 million bucks might buy you a lot of scenery and a lot of sets and a lot of stars, but... Uh, there's a lot of spectacle, but it's a bit of style over substance for me. I think oh, it lacks wow. the heart we we want from a Disney film. I'm not sure what you thought, Ben, but for me, it's a middle-tier Disney film, a bit like Dumbo. You remember the remake of that? Oh, yeah. yeah it just yeah, didn't yeah. elevate it to more than the original. Stop and with I the think remakes. that's what we're looking for. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, stop well, with the not... remakes. Certainly well, not worth the wait. Only two and a half. Well, my partner actually fell asleep while watching it. However, I quite liked it. I thought it was visually stunning. So it probably did miss out on having that classic Disney music. And I kind of felt like that's the only thing for me that it really was let down by. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, I'm with you. Style over substance all the way on that one. Uh, look, Joe, just before we leave, you, mm. Halle Berry is in the director's chair with her brand new film, Bruised, which is debuting at this year's Toronto Film Festival. That's right. Toronto Film Festival starts today, so that's exciting. Uh, she makes a director... Do 
directorial, excuse me, debut. As you said, she didn't expect to. She was starring in it uh, and decided to take it on. In it, she plays a disgraced MMA fighter who must claw her way back into the ring to face off oh. against a fierce competitor and finally to be a mother to the son she walked out on years earlier. It's Hallie like you've never seen her before. I'm not sure if we saw there um, where she has an absolute shiner on her eye. She's almost unrecognisable. Um, and she said the project actually was so harrowing, learning to box and being in the ring, that she bruised and broke her ribs sort of two weeks in but didn't want to stop because she was not only starring but directing. And at one point she thought she had bone cancer, can you believe it? She was so uh, worried about the pain but she kept going. Then she thought it was diabetes. Then she thought it was osteoporosis. Uh, thankfully, it was just two broken ribs. Uh, but that goes to show the determination and why she's a, I guess, Oscar-winning actress. And let's see if she's going to be an Oscar-winning director. Indeed. Okay, well, thank you very thank much, Joe. Thank you, Joe, for that. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. Uh, we think we've lost Joe's feed there. Uh, all right, oh. so let's get a hit of entertainment with Benjamin Norris and Ben. Kevin Spacey's making the news. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> So Kevin Spacey has been sued on Wednesday by actor Anthony Rapp. You might actually know him. He played a pivotal role in the movie Rent, but he has been a child actor since the 80s. But look, when both he and another unnamed actor were under the age of 18, there was an incident that did occur. And Rapp's claim is that the actor climbed on top of him and tried to perform a sexual act. I've tried to make that as PC and okay for midday television as possible uh, but look in 1986 that apparently happened when he was of the age of 14 uh, he first made this allegation in 2017 and I remember this because it happened on BuzzFeed in an interview he finally came forward with a claim and let me tell you uh, Kevin Spacey he's littered with these cases and I'm hoping that he's made accountable for all of them well, that's, of course, if he's proved to have done it. He is entitled to his day in court, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. These are allegations until everything is proven. Uh, meanwhile, a live ABC News reporter caused concern after an apparent breakdown went to air. What happened, Ben? Yeah, Rob, this was hard to watch. I mean, I found it emotional, but uh, an ABC Queensland reporter, Michael Rennie, was reporting live this morning from outside the JBS beef processing plant in Ipswich. This happened this morning. It, it appeared that he seemed to falter, sort of losing his train of thought and becoming unable to talk. I want people to be able to check this out. This happened live on the ABC this morning. The other, other reasons are that the uh, company is in a lot of trouble at the moment and with, uh, with the drought and also with another, another, uh, a number of other areas as well. And um, the union involved says that uh, JobKeeper is an issue for the company as well. Okay, uh, we'll leave it there for the moment. Michael Michael Rennie reporting there from Ipswich. Uh, yeah, we'll just make sure uh, Michael's okay there. Provided to news.com.au this morning, an ABC spokesperson thanked viewers for their concern and said that Michael is actually fine. He felt a little bit dehydrated and he'd had a moment where he became lightheaded, lost his train of thought. Look, he's gone home for a rest today and they've already confirmed that he's going to be back tomorrow. Rob, what did you think of this? Uh, look, it's uh, live look, TV I'll, I'll... and... Oh, sorry, Robert. I thought he said Rob. Sorry, Rob. Rob sorry, 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 sorry. No, sorry, no, he did it. No, um, everyone's been uh, really it's, polite. It's, no. <laughs> it's really, really tough. I, I feel for this guy because I, I've done a, a million live crosses, this and funny, 
And when you start to feel like you, your, your mind goes blank at sometimes the worst times, I was lucky enough because, you know, a lot of those times I could just blame it on something funny or look at something or whatever. But when you, you're obviously doing a really straight, my heart goes out to any reporter who has this kind of moment because it is, it's soul crushing. It is heartbreaking. Uh, but I'm really hoping, I believe that the ABC were supportive of him. He looked very upset at the end of that. It can happen to anyone. He'll be yeah. fine. He, he'll be bounce, he'll bounce back, but it is really tough to watch and, Oh, my heart goes... I've got to be honest, it happens to me quite a lot. seems to be every time you're talking, Robbo. I don't know what that's about, but... uh... (laughs) You little bee. You little bee. I'm so scared now. We'll talk about that off air. Next story. So uh, what's happening... You guys... I How thought much he was asking, COVID safe is now a pretty normal term in telly, but around the networks to get around it in different ways, especially for a particular UK series. Tell me about this, because I think this is brilliant. So the brand new series Top Gear is coming soon, but with a social distancing twist, yes, the audience is still going to be there. They're all going to be outside. Now, the much-loved car series is in its 29th, or I shouldn't say car, I should say automotive everything, um, you can tell that I don't watch Top Care, but look, it's in its 29th series and <laughs> it's not going to be sunk by the dreaded COVID-19. So the audience is actually going to be in their cars, like in a drive-in, so that oh, they can see fun. the presentation of the series. It actually oh, like is that. quite good. And the, tr- and the joke on Twitter, which I thought was really clever, is here is hoping... Here is hoping that for once the British weather commits to the forecast. So <laughs> let's, let's hope they don't get washed out. <laughs> oh, Ben, that's great. I think that's really, really clever. Guys, thank you for another big week. Think about what we've we had Joanna Griggs, we've had Scott Cam, we've had great conversation, a few arguments on the way. But you know what I love? At the end of Tipsy Thursday, I seem to forget it all as I drink away. <laughs> and that's just what happened on thank camera. God for that. <laughs> that's just what happened thank on camera. Yeah. So, like, you can only imagine what happened behind the scenes. <laughs> That's true. We'll see you next week on the Ben Robin Robo so it'll be show it'll be another big week. Happy Tipsy Thursday. Bye-bye. Ben, Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.